This podcast was recorded before the global pandemic. While the world looks a lot different today, we believe this content remains valuable for helping organizations move forward and emerge stronger. When you hear a statistic cited by a media company or a brand, do you ever stop and think about where it came from? There's a reasonable chance it came from Kantar, a research, data, and insights firm based in London. Its 30,000 employees dig into the way consumers think, feel, shop, share, vote, and view in over 100 countries worldwide. I'm Greg Thomas from Workday, and today on the Workday podcast, we'll discuss how the results of an internal HR survey inspired a staggering technology and cultural transformation across Kantar to help ensure a diverse global workforce had the right skills. And I'm joined today by Nadia Hutchinson, Global HR Operations Director from Kantar. Welcome, Nadia. Glad you're here. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, quite. So let's just start a little bit uh, about you, your role, Kantar. What would you share with our listeners? So I would say about myself, I've worked within the arena of people for upwards of 25 years. And that has evolved. So the roles I've had have evolved. And how I've landed up at Kantar is really because of some technology implementation experience and also experience working with global corporates, which is really quite important to to Kantar's footprint and landscape. The role is really around embedding a new technology, that being Workday, and also around how that can benefit the organization as a whole, employees, line managers, functions, and ultimately business performance. Wonderful. So we'll get into some of that as we go. For those who may not be familiar with Kantar, maybe a little bit about the company. Quite large, quite global. So 30,000 employees, 77 countries. We feature in every continent. And the work we do, as you described, is really around accessing data and opinions. And our clients use that data and those opinions to inform their activities. It could be launching a product to market. It could be finding out why a product is not doing so well. We've done work for Hollywood celebrities around what people think about them. So there's a lot that happens with the information that people either say, write, or make available on the web, and we harness that data. That's fascinating. So let's dig in a little bit to the world of HR at Kantar, the world of people, as you put it. So you, I believe, were facing some challenges internally that sort of led down this technology path. What was going on that led you to revisit the technology landscape and the HR landscape? So in order to do what we do for our clients, so externally facing, we have to use best of breed methodologies and technologies. But when you look internally in HR, let's say 18 months ago, the core system that was being used wasn't necessarily fit for purpose anymore. And in employee engagement surveys, you always have this question around, do you have the tools to do your job? It's kind of a standard question that appears. And a lot of the feedback was, well, no, I don't. The core HR system that we have is not great. And also the people that support me in HR, it's a fragmented set of processes in any one country we would have different processes, not only between the countries, but also we're, we're an organization which is made up of multiple divisions. So there could be differences between divisions. And one of the ways that we could standardize and bring everything into one, so the power of one is something that we talk about quite a lot, is to have a platform 
that enabled us to do that. How was the fact that the previous system was not fit for purpose? Well, how was that manifesting itself for individuals and line managers? What were some of the challenges that people were expressing? I think the most glaring challenge was uh, C-suite leaders were asking for information, what people typically call management information, reports, analytics. And in reality, to produce those, it would take an army of people, a number of weeks, somebody compiling Excel spreadsheets, and there had to be a more efficient way, one of the indicators that that we looked at. And also the fact that the legacy system was exactly that, legacy. On-premise, needed heavy configuration if you needed to make a change. And when you look in the marketplace, there are a number of different products that do what we needed to have done in a far smoother way. Cool. So when you got the information from that survey, where did you go from there? How did you make the business case or come to the decision that that we really need to make a change? It's about the enablement. And that was one of the, the winning criteria. Also, You look in the market, you see that there are a variety of products available to you. And you also think about where is our business going? So our business needs to be scalable. We need to be able to have tools that help us manage the workforce and not just one element of managing the workforce. Some organisations go for one particular part of a suite, maybe performance. For example, we took a very clear decision that we wanted whatever we chose to do everything. So that kind of narrows your options. And then you look at, okay, well, am I going to consider on-premise? Well, I don't think there's much in the marketplace that is on-premise anymore. That ship has sort of sailed. It's gone. So then you say, okay, we have to take the brave leap and put everything in the cloud. And what does that take and what does that mean? And are there security concerns? And what do we need to consider? And we we, we considered those. And still the answer was, yes, this is the right direction to go in. And assessing whether your employees are ready for that change. And we believe they were. As you mentioned, 77 countries, that's a pretty global workforce. How did you think through those kinds of considerations? Different cultures, different requirements, different legal regimes and regulatory regimes. How did that factor into either the the technology decision or even in as much as it was a catalyst for rethinking HR and practices? How did you navigate that? That 77 hadn't changed. So we had that 77 prior to implementation. So we were well aware of the diversity across that landscape, the complexity across that landscape. What it did drive was a critical decision. Do we localise as much as possible? So do we lift and shift process and practice as it stood? Or did we use the capability and the functionality to standardise? And we took the second option. We'll leverage the standardisation methodology to drive some behaviour and business change. If you think about something like the pay review cycle, instead of each country and each division using their own methodology and feeding into something that was happening at the centre at group level, it can all be done in Workday and it can be controlled 
I think another piece that's, that's really important is the control element that Workday allows you to bring, fully auditable, date stamped. The governance that, that is required is very strong mm. um, and very helpful. To pick up on one of the things you just said, that process standardization or simplification, sometimes what I would call the cultural shift, the change management that comes with that can be challenging. How did that work for Kantar? Was it difficult? Did people get on board? I think any organization, including Kantar, has has a difficult journey when it comes to change management. As part of the, the project team, there was an embedded change and training group of people supported by a network of what we call change agents in each market. Champions, mm. if you like, really sponsoring the change. And a lot of communication in multiple languages. So one of the things at Kantar is that we don't assume that English is everyone's first language or everyone's understanding of English is the best so we, we chose certain languages that we not only would, but still do communicate in. And as a consequence of feedback that we've received since, we've now fully embedded change and training as a role within the HR function. Oh, that's fascinating. I, I like the notion of the, the local language because you have to meet people where they are, right? If, right? if I want you to understand something, it's certainly incumbent upon me to do everything I can to make sure you can receive this information. That's exactly right. So let, let's shift a little to talk about skills. And we hear a lot about, do people have the right skills? Skills are changing. Do we reskill? Do we upskill? Do we think differently about how we hire and retain and retrain? Very open-ended question, but what does skills look like and mean to, to you and to Kantar? It, it's a topic that's high on the agenda at the moment. Lots of discussions about how we best harness the information that we can now gather centrally to inform line managers and, and business leaders around the skills that are needed now and in the future. Some of that is dependent on how individuals articulate their skills. Some of that is dependent on how the business articulates the skills that are needed. We're in an industry that's moving very, very fast. Have we fully determined what that looks like? No, we're still working through some of that, but like I say, it's, it's high on the agenda. What it has meant for HR, however, and I'll talk particularly about one part of HR, is that because we implemented Workday, we also established a digital HR team. So these roles were brand new to the organisation who are specifically focused on maintaining the platform. So any changes, integrations, release management is all managed by a central group of people within the organisation. Previously, with the legacy technology, a lot of the maintenance was done by our partners in IT. But this group of, of differently skilled individuals sits within HR. Have you seen benefits from that, that approach? Massive benefits. The first benefit, I would say, is that we approach the platform from an HR perspective and from, from an employee perspective rather than just from a technology perspective. And we're really keen to partner with everyone in the business to help them understand that when you're using your personal device in the personal world, it's been designed with you in mind to make everything as easy as possible. 
minimal clicks to get to where you need to get to, press one button to make a payment, that sort of thing. And really what we're trying to work towards with Workday and and the enhancements that Workday brings is exactly the same thing. So we're bringing the experience that you're already forced to live into our corporate life and helping you feel comfortable with that. And who doesn't want that? Whether you're that executive trying to find the data, whether you're an individual trying to update something or find something, that's not your job. That's something you need to do to be able to go and accomplish your job. So so get it to me as quickly and as easily as possible. So you've now got a single system with, with all your HR data in it. How might that be changing the way that you approach using data to inform either HR practice and and policy or individuals, be they executives, individuals, line managers? So we've surfaced a number of dashboards and business leaders are now able to see the truth. And that's raised a number of questions. So the dashboard might show you whatever it is about whatever it is you're investigating. And some of the questions that we've had have been around, this can't be true. I think that's the powerful piece is you had a perception or a thought in your mind that was different. But actually, this is what we call evidence-based practice. This is real. And this may inform a change in your thinking be it positive, be it negative, whichever way is best appropriate. Our journey is growing, you know, we we need to be better at analytics within our HR space. But I think the mere fact that at the touch of a button, business leaders can surface their own data independently about their team, their part of the organisation, is very powerful. To go back to what you said earlier about the executives and and that multi-week process of an army of people pulling spreadsheets, the question I have today may not be relevant by the time that comes back. And if you want people to be able to Mm -hmm. make the decision at the point in time and at the point of action, then that self-service is incredibly valuable. Yes. Let's kind of carry that thought forward. Lots of new technologies coming down the line, artificial intelligence, machine learning, bots, predictions. How are you thinking about those technologies and where they might be useful? So again, I'll I'll talk specifically about the HR arena. So we had signed up to be an early adopter of the the chatbot functionality that Workday has. We've taken a decision at the moment. We are not ready for it. But the fact that we've had the conversation, we're ready to embrace bringing that type of interaction into the organisation. Automation is another really big piece for us. So there are a number of processes within the function which are very manual and no added value in having a human touch that process. We will be looking at how we bring more automation into the environment. And that being said, I always talk to stakeholders about the fact that we already have automation in our environment. So within Workday, you have workflows and approval processes, which actually are automation. And and certainly within our payroll space, there's a lot of room for robotics and automation, which is another area that we will be looking at. So you spoke about not being ready for the chatbot. How did you come to that decision? Because I think it's very often the case that people think, oh, this is a new technology, I need to adopt it, it does these amazing things. But as we've been talking about, there's a technology component, certainly, but there's a people component, there's a process component. And sometimes the answer very much is, 
it's not for us, it's not for us yet. How did you come to that decision? The technology that's available to us within Workday is evolving. And we're more than happy to pick up the conversation and say, at the next stage, is that then the appropriate time for Cantor? There's also the part around, we're a year in from our go-live, as it were. And our go-live was every country at one time on one day. Wow. So you already referenced cultural differences, language differences. And embedding the tool has been a journey. And all organizations go through consistent, constant change. It's whether we bring the chatbot in now or have a little more time to embed how we're supporting employees. And and yes, it's always great to have that support at the touch of the button 24-7, but many people in the environment are still very wedded to talking to an individual, talking to a colleague, talking to their line managers, and moving to a bot, it changes that. Yes, you're still talking, but the perception out there is it's machine-led. It's not an individual. It doesn't have context sometimes. And those of us who are kind of close to the movement in the technology world understand that some of that comes with machine learning. (laughs) But explaining that to individuals can sometimes be quite tricky. There's also that notion of sometimes too much choice is too much. It's hard for people to take it on and taking a more measured approach to how do we roll these things out in a thoughtful, stepwise way so that we know that we can be as successful as possible and we can learn along the way. Absolutely. The world is moving pretty fast and skills are changing rapidly. And there's this notion of hard skills and soft skills. How do you see that either changing within the world of HR and the types of skills that that you need to bring in there or or just in the broader organization, almost the philosophy of skills as, as you see it? I think it's a global reassessment of the meaning of skills. Many people will have a technical background. Many people will have a university background or a professional background. But what a lot of employers find is you can come with all of that book learning, but if you're not able to be a social participant in the workplace, if you're not able to embrace change, the book learning has less relevance. There's certain roles where book learning will always be as important as it always has been, But more and more, it's about the social interaction and people's agility in the workforce. Yeah, I think about how many projects that I do by myself in isolation. It's almost none. I'm working with others and we need to collectively and collaboratively come up with the best idea. 99 times out of 100, it wasn't my idea, but it's the right thing for us to do. And also all of our technical skills, they change. They evolve with technology. But if I can't work with you, It doesn't matter whether or not I have that technical ability. I think the culture and the language piece is also critical. So more and more organizations are multi-country, multi-region, global. And people work differently or speak differently across the world. 
So I find that you're American, I'm English. There's a couple of words that have come up recently where myself and my team based in the US are talking differently. I say fortnightly. I believe you say bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. And we got our whole timetable wrong because we both misunderstood both of those words. It's such a simple example, but it's very true. We were doing a project internally with some of our, our technical staff in IT, and we were talking about issues. We make a magazine. We were talking about issues of the magazine. They understood the word issues to be problems, defects, and we realized we were just talking past one another, and we were actually all in the same office. If we don't speak the same language, less literally but more figuratively, then mm-hmm. we, we do miss one another at times. Definitely. So it was a fantastic conversation. For our listeners, just a last question. What advice would you have for someone who's sitting in a similar role thinking, boy, HR is changing a lot. Where do I go from here? What's your big takeaway or piece of advice? I would say it's all about the skills. Getting the teams ready for the skills that are required within the next five years we're going to be fast moving away from a world where decisions are only made by C-suite. I've seen a lot of decisions made in the external environment and then the power of the people voice has changed that decision. For me, it's around agility and the skills of the individuals that you hire. There'll be a mixture of technical skills, which will always be a requirement, but it's also around being able to accept change, being able to accept change fast, being able to accept that there will be multiple ways to access information, data, platforms, flexibility. You will have team members who do not want to work the traditional nine to five. And although organizations have sort of written it into practice, it's just a way of working and living now. Does it actually need to be a policy? That's all the time we have. Nadia, thank you so much for joining us. If you've liked what you've heard today, please subscribe. Thanks for listening.